The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Kyle Posey, also from Niners Nation, with Steven Serto of Arrowhead Pride behind the glass. No Justice Mosqueda this week. He didn't want to say anything nice about the Packers, so he is not going to be able to join us on the show. KP, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing great, man. Um, Justice, shaking my head, man. This was (laughs) off a victory, right? You would think. He'd want to talk about the Packers actually doing something well. Unfortunately, he took the week off. But we're joined by Steve, who gets to fill in for justice and take probably the pessimistic angle. Steve, what the hell is going on with the Chiefs? Are you talking about the super fan wolf costume bank robber? Or are you actually talking about the football team? It's a real thing. Can you explain that for people that might have missed it? My answer is yes, by the way. Uh so it's been a weird week in Kansas City. Um, you know, Chiefs went to overtime with the one win Texans, and there is a Chiefs super fan. I think his name is Chief Saholic on Twitter, who apparently got ro- or got arrested on his way to Houston for armed robbery, and now he's being held on like a two hundred thousand dollar bond and uh this is a guy who was notorious on chiefs twitter and in that community for going to every single chiefs game home or road betting all kinds of money and and just living up the lifestyle of a super fan and apparently this was all funded by crime so uh this that's how things are going in kansas city this week like how can that be a real story Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> okay. That is the weirdest thing ever, but it just kind of goes along with the rest of the season. Uh, we got a big show for you today. NBC Sports Boston's Tom Kern's going to join us to try and explain what the hell happened with the Patriots at the end of that game against the Raiders. We're going to do our gauntlet as well. But before we get to all that, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And as always, please rate, review, follow everything we're doing here with the SB Nation NFL show. If you leave us a review, I promise you we will read it on the show. All right. First up from NBC Sports Boston, Tom Curran. 
We are very pleased and privileged to be joined by, in my opinion, the man that covers his team better than anyone else covers any team in the NFL from NBC Sports Boston, Tom Curran. What's up, Tom? Hey, Stats. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. One of the most innovative, intelligent, and enthusiastic hosts, producers in the entire country. Wow, now that we've both broken our arms, patting each other on the back, let's some actual football. The Patriots suffered one of the most insane losses I can remember last week. Just first plus reaction after that play happens. Laughably inept, <laughs> which I think for so many fans, it's hard because you're so enmeshed in the team from a just a rooting standpoint. <clears throat> that the notion of actually laughing is anathema to what you would expect. But I think when you're evaluating the team and trying to point out as the year goes along, it's shortcomings. And then to see a play like that, you just, you just, this is what I'm talking about. And it's not that Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson are bad players. What I hypothesize and theorize stats is that that play is more of an instance of the players going rogue. Why would Bill Belichick players go rogue? Because they feel as if over the course of the 14 weeks of games, training camp, preseason, and minicamp, that they kind of been let down by their coaches. So they're now of a mind that maybe we can do it ourselves, which has never been a situation on a Bill Belichick team. It's apparent that they can't. It's also apparent that the coaches can't help them. So there's a reckoning on the way. That's what I don't understand. This team built a dynasty on situational awareness and, and mastering situational management. That, that's how the Patriot dynasty was built. They always made the smart, right decision and critical spot in the game. And this year, it seems like time and time again, that is not happening. Why? Well, the first situation they were confronted with was in the offseason when Josh McDaniels was, was hired elsewhere. You have to read that situation. You have to read the Tom Brady situation. You have to read a Malcolm Butler situation. You have to read um, any of these big picture situations or the small picture situations and say, what happens if I do this? What happens if I push Tom Brady too far and don't give him enough money? Oh, he leaves. Oh, I didn't think he'd leave. What <laughs> happens if you bench Malcolm Butler? Well, what, what are they going to do? Score 41 points on us? Yep, they're going to score 41 points on you. So Bill has a tendency these days to miscalculate situations, and they're always miscalculations to the lesser. What's the worst that could happen? And he keeps finding out what's the worst that could happen. So maybe over the course of 20 years, 22 years, you start to believe that everybody else is a blithering idiot, and you're able to figure it out. Call it ego, call it arrogance, call it overconfidence, whatever you want to call it. I think that the last few years of the Patriots have been dotted with decisions that indicate that. Also, situationally, I'm going on too long here, but <laughs> Ernie Adams was Bill Belichick's prep school roommate at Phillips Andover. He was by Bill's side for decades. And Ernie Adams was basically his Yoda, helped with all situational stuff, time stuff, clock stuff, decision-making, scouting, everything. He's gone. He's been gone for uh, a full year now. And as a result, I think they're actually missing that as well. The Matt Patricia, Joe Judge combination. I feel like when we found out that was happening, everybody in the NFL world was like, this is 
going to be a disaster. Like, this is not going to be good. And it's one of the few times I feel like where that conventional wisdom was proven correct. It has been a disaster in New England. What possessed Bill Belichick to think that this was the best way to go with a young quarterback that you were trying to develop? Overconfidence in Matt Patricia. Overconfidence, perhaps, in Mac Jones. Underestimation of just how much work and how good Josh McDaniels was, believe it or not. Um, an overestimation of how much Matt could do. He's got him coaching the offensive line. And last year he was, you know, head cook and bottle washer doing contracts and, and every other thing. So Matt Patricia is a smart guy. He um, insinuates himself well into situations with the coach, the owner. And when I say smart, those aren't linked. He's separately a very intelligent person. But I think he, he might have oversold himself and Bill was happy to buy. It's just a bad decision, a bad lacking foresight decision by Bill, and they're paying the price now. I mean, the team is 7-7. Seven and seven. It's got a playoff-level defense. It's got a playoff-level kicker. Um, it's got a playoff-level kick returner. They're a playoff-level team, and they were last year. They should have improved this year. They didn't because they're attached to an offense stats that has scored 24 touchdowns in 14 games. Wow, that is yes. dicey. You said earlier that a reckoning is coming. We've seen Mac Jones has made no secret of his just anger at the coaching staff. What do you mean when you say a reckoning is coming? What's about to happen? By the end of the season, there needs to be some kind of a plan hatch that will get the best out of a third-year quarterback after the second-year quarterback's season was wasted. Um, there's going to have to be a reckoning on, okay, Bill, what's your plan here? Who's the play caller? Who's the offensive coordinator? Who is your outside counsel who's telling you whether or not things are going to work well or not? Are you going to open yourself up to some of this advice after basically everyone expressed polite dubiousness as to whether or not it was a wise thing to do? See, that's the thing with Bill. It's because of his track record. People don't say, well, that's a friggin' stupid idea. That'll never work. <laughs> they have the caveat of, well, he is Bill Belichick. I mean, how often do we hear that? All in the preseason, we would hear of the questions rendered as to how bad an idea it was, but everyone would say at the end, right, Stats? But if anyone can do it. Right. <laughs> and I think he forfeits a little bit of the, but anyone can do it going forward. I saw that Trent Brown liked a social media post that suggested the Patriots should look into a possible reunion with Tom Brady or with Jimmy Garoppolo next season. Is there or are there problems in that locker room between Mac and the team? And do you think that either one of those things is possible? I don't think there are any problems at all with Mac Jones and his teammates. They have his back. They support him. The most important guys, Devin McCourty, Matt Slater, have actually, after Mac acted out, said, we want him to do that. We want him to be vocal. Surprisingly so, because he was over the top, in my estimation, especially this past week. Um you know, I look at that social media tweet, and it can be for any number of reasons. He likes Bill Barnwell. He likes Tom Brady. He likes Jimmy Garoppolo. We immediately seize on the, and we did it at my station too, NBC Sports Boston. We seize on the most dramatic one, which would be, huh, I agree, Max sucks. Might just be, ah, oh, that'd be cool to have those guys back. And, you know, an individual who's not sitting there thinking in, you know, the drama-filled 
angles that we'll seize on. I said, oh, like, and then realize later, oh, that doesn't mean I didn't like Mac. Well, these guys are not what we would generally speak of as, you know, sitting there all day thinking of the angles that we all do. So I don't think it's as big a deal as was it was made to be, but it does actually bring up the question stats of whether or not the Patriots would entertain the idea. Certainly not of Brady. There's no way he's coming back at 46 to play out the string with a team that has no offensive coordinator. Um, but with Garoppolo, you could at least have the conversation with the Patriots go after a a player who would be a mid, mid-tier backup as opposed to Bailey Zappi. I think Bailey Zappi, by the time he was done, was kind of exposed as being limited. I don't think he's a long-term answer as a starting quarterback, but Gardner Minshew-flavored player. <laughs> would they bring one in? That's that's a, a decent question because Brian Hoyer most likely will not be back in 2023 after the concussion he suffered this year. A Gardner Minshew flavor. Let me tell you, if I reach into the bag and I pull out the Gardner Minshew flavor, like I don't know what I'm in for at that point. It's probably like a little musky. <laughs> um, your friend and mine, Mike Florio, has written about this in the past, so I'll ask you. You talked about how Bill has kind of burned through a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Is there a scenario where Robert Kraft makes a head coaching change, maybe not firing Belichick, but somehow gracefully <clears throat> allowing for some sort of exit? If the two sides can't reach a chord that this was a bad season and can't hatch a plan together as to how to improve it, then I would imagine something like that a divorce would have to be on the table because of irreconcilable differences related to an inability to recognize how bad it was but i can't imagine the bill wouldn't recognize how bad it is right now and try and hatch a, a plan robert doesn't want to fire bill robert doesn't want to move on from bill robert appreciates everything that that he has done. The Kraft family in general appreciates everything he's done. Yeah, they've rattled their saber about playoff wins and drafts, but they still look at it and say, this guy's been incredible. I mean, from every aspect of the, the franchise that he has laid out, yeah, the scouting and the drafting hasn't been great. Could somebody else do the same thing? Yeah. At some points, they could. They Other guys have gotten hot in the draft or whatever. But I think for Kraft at 81 years old, to look at Bill and say, yeah, we're going to have to let you go when he's 20 wins shy of Don Shula and his two kids are on the staff and he's won six Super Bowls. He's been to nine. He's the most important business-wise bobble in your entire jewelry chest, which brings people's attention as well, and it's a business. I think that would be a bridge too far for them to entertain in any meeting. And as they go, I don't think they go into any meeting thinking that by the time we come out of this, Bill's going to be relieved of his job. Last question. I think you're as good a person to ask about this as any, because I have vehemently argued against the idea that, well, Brady left and won a Super Bowl, So clearly he was more responsible for the Patriots success than Bill Belichick. I, I totally and completely disagree with that. Where do you come down on that Belichick Brady debate? <clears throat> Bill owned 2000 to 2009 and Brady owned 2010 to 2019. Brady covered up an innumerable cast of miss, missteps, shortcomings, uh, 
um, limitations. It's, to me, indisputable. You know, you're talking about a guy who in 2015 took the Patriots to the AFC Championship game and had them on the doorstep of winning against the Denver Broncos as he was taking an absolutely relentless beating in that game, throwing to Matt Slater, Matt Mulligan, um, Austin Colley might have been out there. Jeez. They didn't draft a tight end for the entire decade until after Brady left. You got Gronk, and then after <clears throat> Gronk, the draft picks were, I believe, Lee Smith, Ryan Izzo, and somebody else. Yeah, Martellus Bennett came in. Aaron Hernandez? Same year as Gronk. Same year, okay. But they went a decade in a tight end-based offense when Gronk was retiring from about 2017 on. They didn't do anything. Yeah, it was it was Brady in from 2010 to 2019. That's basically where I come down on it, too. Brady covered up for Belichick, the GM. Not Belichick, the coach. Belichick, the coach, I continue to say, was like incredible and instrumental in all their success. But as a GM, Brady was so good, it didn't matter who he was throwing the ball to because he's the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Well, add McDaniels into that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bill is the overseer. Um, you know, look at 2014, look at that Super Bowl. There's no question that you have the experience and knowledge of Bill Belichick m mastering and just mind-screwing the Seattle Seahawks to secure that Super Bowl. And the coaching that was necessary to get that team in 2016 to come back from 28-3, to as smart as it was, the, the coaching acumen that was shown in that game, even as they fell behind, was remarkable. But you still needed the players to do it. So Bill, Bill was great. Bill was amazing. But he was also cooking a dinner with the, the finest meats and cheeses. <laughs> that's a good way to put it and i really can't think of a better place to end it that's why you need to pay attention to tom curran patriots insider for nbc sports boston tom as always you have made me smarter so thank you very much stats have a great rest of the year appreciate you and, and best wishes to your family this uh this holiday season <laughs> same to you tom see you buddy Thanks a lot to Tom for the time. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll run the gauntlet and get to the bottom of the big question this week, which is kind of inspired by what Tom said about Tom Brady propping up the Patriots at the back end of his New England tenure. We're going to look at players, coaches, or units that are propping up their team when we come back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
as they win the gridiron gauntlet. Okay, Smarty, what's a gauntlet? Truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show, it is gauntlet time. We look at one big question of the week and try and ultimately determine a winner as we pit multiple candidates against one another. Steven Serta is going to be filling in for Justice Mosqueda this week, which makes me the judge. I feel the power that comes with this position. So I am very excited about this. Let's get to it. Steven, I'll start with you. Who is propping up his team more? The 49ers defense or Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings? This is a tough one to start out with. Um, and that 49ers defense is so good. And you can point over their entire season, like you only have one game to point to where that defense let them down, like as, as a unit. And they've been dominant in every other way this season. But Justin Jefferson is so good. And he's, as a wide receiver, he has won that team games. But <laughs> I, I think that, there's still enough talent offensively on that Vikings team. And there's such a weird uh, up and down team. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I have zero faith in the Minnesota Vikings come the playoffs. I, I think that San Francisco can win games and can make a lot of noise in the postseason because that defense is so dominant and because they have so many playmakers all over the place. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem to matter who's in the secondary with all of the injuries. Like they, they just keep trucking along and, and keep playing at an elite level. So I think it has to be the San Francisco 49ers defense. This is not an easy question because these are probably, if we're breaking it down to units and players in the entire NFL, we're probably talking about top five right here. Like Justin Jefferson is amazing. What the 49ers are doing this season is amazing. Steve just talked about, what the 49ers have done this season and that last uh, that last game against the Chiefs or that game against the Chiefs that was an obvious outlier. It was just one half and it felt like one quarter really where it was just an ambush. And I don't know what Andy Reid did, did during halftime, but he lit a fire up under Pat Mahomes and they just came out bombs away. But outside of that, this has been one of the best defenses, not just this season, but in the past few seasons, the difference in defensive DVOA between the 49ers and the second place Patriots since week 10 is greater than the difference between the fourth place Jets and the 18th ranked team in the Saints. Like they are on a different level, but I kind of want to say Justin Jefferson here. And I'm not so sure the Vikings are good. (laughs) We've been saying that seemingly every episode. I know what they just did on national TV against the Colts. You do not get like, People will look at their comeback and say, wow, that was impressive. I'm looking at how in the world are you down that big to Jeff Saturday in the Indianapolis Colts, a Colts team that cannot block a Matt Ryan quarterback who looks like a show himself, obviously, at this point of his career. But just referencing DVOA still, right? The Vikings, since week 10, are 27th in DVOA. So they are just not a good team right now. And that shows itself out. I think it has to be Jefferson. He is a guy who, when we talked about this a little bit before, he's doing everything for them over the course of this season, this last game, 123 yards the week before against the lions in a a game where Minnesota had to come back and kind of do everything they could to make it a game. He had 223 yards. If you just go through his box scores, 184, 147, 154, 193, 
what he's doing this season is nothing short of spectacular. That doesn't make the 49ers defense not spectacular either, right? Like they're both very, very good units. But the 49ers have so many good players. The Vikings don't. So I'm going to focus on the one good player, the one great player on the Vikings here and go Jefferson. That means we're head to head right out of the gate, baby. Bam. All right. Let's see. Now, this is how you feel all the time, Steven. Like this is pretty good. I get to ultimately (laughs) decide where we go. It's tough for me to pick against the 49ers defense because they have been so incredible. But since the Christian McCaffrey trade, this offense is scoring 28 points a game. So even if the Niners defense wasn't unbelievable, the Niners would probably be able to get by just from what their offense has done since Christian McCaffrey got by. If you take Justin Jefferson off the Minnesota Vikings, I don't know how many games they're winning. They're certainly not in first place in the NFC North. So it pains me to say this as someone that loves the 49ers, but I think I have to side with KP and go with Justin Jefferson in this one. Sorry, Steven. I don't think that there's a wrong answer to this question, just to be <laughs> totally clear. They're they're both incredible. Okay, KP, you're up now. Who is propping up their team more, Justin Jefferson and the Vikings or Brian Dable with the New York Giants? Oh, it has to be Dable. Um, again, Jefferson, what he's doing is incredible. And he is, I don't want to say easily, but one of the best players in the NFL, let alone best receivers. The how the Giants keep winning, I have no idea. So, again, I'm just referencing trending stats. Since week 10, the Giants are 23rd in DVOA. But nobody knows this. They're top 10 in offensive efficiency. Like, they're doing some very good things. You would never know. You've never thought before the season started that Daniel Jones would be would have no issues moving the ball through the air. Like, look at some of the receivers that he's throwing to. So, with him, what Kafka have been able to do for the Giants has been really impressive. And it helps to have Saquon Barkley healthy. Like he looks like a playmaker. He looks electric, especially in that last drive when the Giants needed to move the ball. That was really cool to see. But I think Dable just squeezing every ounce of talent out of Jones, out of that offense has to be the answer here. They're going to make the playoffs. (laughs) That is nuts (laughs) to say out loud. Like the New York football Giants are going to be in the playoffs with a first-year head coach without – like if if I would have told you the Giants made the playoffs this season, you would have probably said – Oh, great. Kenny Galladay had a great uh, comeback year, right? He's doing great things for them. Uh, no, that's not happening at all. It's not even close to true. So uh, for them to be playing at the level that they are on both sides of the ball, and the defense deserves some credit too, but I think really it's the offensive side of the ball, and that comes down to table. I thought about picking Justin Jefferson here just because I love him, and I didn't pick him for the first one. Uh But no, I I agree with you. I think it has to be the New York Giants because when you look at the talent on this team, and they do have some young talent along the offensive line, their defensive line, I think, has a couple of players that are going to be stars. And they're a really young, rebuilding team. And when you look at them on paper, you're like, yeah, that's a a three-win football team that's still figuring things out. But as long as they show signs of promise on a weekly basis, you're like, yeah, Brian Dable is doing a really good job. They don't have anybody offensively outside of Saquon Barkley that you look at and like, yeah, that guy's got, that guy's a difference maker and that that guy's going to make an impact on a weekly basis. And so it comes down to everything that Brian Dable and his staff is doing on a weekly basis. This team has no business being eight and five with the roster that they have, like, like absolutely none. And you know, they have that terrible game uh, against the Washington Commanders a couple of weeks ago that ends in a tie, and then they come back out 
and they win that game and, and they make Washington kind of look bad. And, and I don't think Washington's a particularly talented team, but when you're talking about just like roster talent, there's a case to be made. Washington's easily the more talented team on paper than the New York giants. And so that comes back to the coaching and, and not making mistakes. And I think the biggest difference this season for the Giants is they just don't put Daniel Jones in a position to make mistakes and cost them football games. And that again comes back to coaching. Like they are, like KP said, they're getting every ounce of talent out of the guys that are on that roster. Like Kenny Galladay is still on this team and they don't even have Prove to, it. They don't even have to use him to, to win football games because he's just a shell of himself. Like that's really impressive. And you know, they lost Wandale Robinson, who is their top wide receiver pick. They trade away Kadarius Tony and they keep winning football games. Like it, it's hard not to be impressed with what Brian Dable's done this season. And let just, me let me add to that real quick. So the commanders are a very good defense and they've been trending like one of the better defenses in the NFL. Imagine if we swapped the receiver core here between the commanders and the giants, what Dayball would do with McLaurin, with Dotson, uh, with Deami Brown, with Gibson, with like the backs that they have. So again, what he's able to do, what, how they're able to score points just boggles my mind because you would think they have no chance. And still time and time again, they, they find ways to answer the bell for them to consistently get to 20 points is, is pretty special. I think. And keep in mind how bad this giants team is. They've lost double digit games in seven of the last eight years before this year. Like this is a roster that nobody wanted it. We were thinking this was going to be, tear it down you know to the studs and build it up again and here's Dable possibly making the playoffs in his first season it's pretty incredible all right so Giants move on Steven who's propping up their team more Brian Dable with the Giants or your neck of the woods Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs I'm tempted to pick Brian Dable here because I'm so impressed with what he's doing but it has to be Patrick Mahomes and I I, I think that when it comes to Mahomes he gets a lot of the things that he does discounted sometimes because he's so good. And because he's so exceptional at playing the quarterback position, we overlook a lot of the incredible things that he does every week. And this is something we've been talking about in Kansas city all week. Like Mahomes went 36 of 41 last week against the Texans and completed 20 passes in a row to end that football game. And he's only, I think he needs five more completions to tie the record or six more or something like that. And he didn't even know about it afterwards. He was like, oh, that's cool. Um, Wasn't trying to do that. I assumed that I would have had some incompletions or something. But when you really start to dive into this Chiefs team and the things that they've struggled with and the red flags that have shown up recently, like the defense, the offensive line, the pass catchers, and it's, it's really, it comes down to, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are the real difference makers on the offensive side of the ball. And then everybody else is getting complimented by Patrick Mahomes play. And Andy Reid obviously helps a lot with that stuff, but Mahomes has just taken this thing to a different level this season. Like it's not just the dynamic playmaking ability this season. It's that you're seeing him truly operate in the offense with an IQ level at the quarterback position that we don't see very often. And he's doing it on a weekly basis to a point where it doesn't really matter what defense he's playing. It doesn't really matter to the personnel that's on the field. Like we talk about all the time in the NFL, like 
superstar quarterback should elevate the talent around them. And, you know, we talked about it with Aaron Rodgers and Brady forever. And I think Mahomes has truly done that this season because I don't think he has a number one wide receiver on the team. It's it's Travis Kelsey, and then it's a bunch of dudes at, at pass catcher for him this season, and he's on an MVP trajectory. So it's got to be Patrick Mahomes for me. Do they have a number two? It's Juju Smith-Schuster by default, like just because he's the most consistent wide receiver that they have. And he's just a chain mover. Juju's not like an explosive wide receiver. He's not a, a big-time playmaker or anything like that. So, no. Got it. Um, <laughs> again, what Dable's, be, what Dable's been able to do is, is very cool to see, and he deserves a ton of credit and probably should be, you know, recognized as one of the best coaches in the NFL for what he's been able to do this year, but it has to be Patrick Mahomes. When you're naming essentially everything about the Chiefs outside of Patrick Mahomes, what do the Chiefs do well? They don't play defense. They don't tackle. They're not fast. Okay, so now that we've laid their defense out, and I mean, if you just see their numbers on defense, it's below average across the board. That shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. On the other side of the ball, what do they do well offensively? And why do they do it? So they're still the best offense in the NFL, which is nuts to say. There's one reason why, and it's the guy under center. I think I would argue that this is probably the best version of Patrick Mahomes that we've seen. Um, Mark Schofield, SB Nation, wrote about Patrick Mahomes and being mundane. The, the small things that he's able to do and keep this offense on track, they're able to get away with calling plays to MVS, Juju Smith, Um Obviously, Sky Moore is not a big part of the offense right now, but the fact that they haven't really missed a beat offensively without Tyreek Hill just speaks volumes to the type of player, the, the caliber of player that Patrick Mahomes is. But for the, for him to keep this team afloat, this specific team afloat, is second to none. And I'll be I'll be frank, he's going to win this gauntlet for me. I, I don't. I think he's done better. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> When I've I've seen him play, and I've seen what he's able to do, and I've seen other quarterbacks play with their surroundings and what they're able to do, and it's just not comparable to me. He's better than everybody else, and he's so head and shoulders above everybody else, the rest of the um, – whoever you would mention in the same breath as him, that it's – it's I don't know where the argument comes into play. The Chiefs have no business being a 10-win team, I believe. Um yeah. 11 should, and three. And I don't think they should be 11 and three either. They should be closer to like a wild card team, like fighting, clawing to make the playoffs right now. And they're probably going to lock up the one seed. And that's because Patrick Mahomes. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steven. I haven't seen nearly as much Mahomes as you, but I feel like when I watch him, he squeezes every drop of juice out of every single play that's there to be squeezed like so many of his completions you talk about like oh he completed 20 straight passes they're not all like two yard passes beyond the line of scrimmage like some of these throws are ridiculous and I feel like a lot of the times guys get quote-unquote open because most of the time when defenders are guarding guys there are certain times when just receivers are not supposed to be an option when you roll out to the right side of the field receivers all the way back across the field on the left side. They're not supposed to be part of the play anymore, but they are with Mahomes because he can throw it to anybody anywhere at any time. Yeah. And I think he's even been guilty at, at times of like 
just throw it away, dude. You don't have to do this on every single play. And he, he does do that each and every week. Like there was a play a couple weeks ago against the Broncos where, and this is something he never used to do. Like as soon as the play broke down, he was outside the pocket and, and running away and, and trying to throw it or, or pick up the first down or something like that. And he just like, I, I it was kind of similar to a play. I think we saw from Josh Allen in the preseason where Mahomes kind of three sixties in the pocket. It's collapsing around him. He gets drilled by three different Broncos defenders and still delivers a laser to Juju Smith Schuster in the back of the end zone. Like he, he just does things that other guys can't do. And he's also operating at the most efficient level possible within the offensive scheme. Like, I, I just don't know how you slow that down. This just in. That guy's pretty good. All right. Well, let's continue on, even though I know exactly how Kyle is going to answer now, but I'll still ask the question, KP. Who's propping up his team more, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense or Jalen Hurts' legs and the Eagles offense? Yeah, I mean, it, it does suck that Jalen's going to miss time now, and I'm not so sure if we see him for the rest of the regular season. But against the Bears, right, they were kind of struggling to move the ball, and then whenever they needed to play, all right, let's call a run play. Jalen Hurts. And that's been the case for most of the second half, it seems like. When they need a high leverage, when they're in a high leverage situation, like the Colts, the game-winning running touchdown, they go to Hurts' legs, and he does a really good job for them. They're one of the best, if not the best, rushing offense in the NFL because of what Hurts is able to do, and he should get plenty of credit for that. I don't think Minshew's going to be able to um, just supplement what he's able to do on the ground. But still, like we're going back to Patrick Mahomes and we're going uh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have A.J. Brown to throw it to. He doesn't have Devonta Smith on the outside. He doesn't have arguably the best offensive line in the NFL to create those type of holes for him. So Mahomes is third in the NFL. I, yeah, he's third in the NFL in yards per attempt. So you guys were just talking about him being able to make plays. So we all know he has these superstar highlight plays, right? That happens seemingly every other drive, but being able to operate in the structure of the offense and do so down the field, do so without dinking and ducking, like the two guys ahead of him, Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, uh, Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, like he can RPO to death. Like those guys have the gadgets on the outside and the weapons on the outside to do so. That's not like a luxury that Mahomes has to fall back on. So for me, I'm still going Mahomes here, but I do think, Hertz deserves a ton of credit for what he's able to add as far as value-wise on the ground because it, it seems like he's a walking first down. Yeah, it's still going to be Patrick Mahomes for me because uh, a lot of the reasons that we've already gone through. Like, the roster's just not as good. The talent's not as deep. But I, what I will say about Jalen Hurts is he firmly deserves to be in the MVP conversation. I, I don't think it's fair that he gets discounted because his roster's better when – you know, the conversation around him last season was like, is he even going to be a starting quarterback for this team? Which was always oh, yeah. ridiculous because he's a really, really good NFL quarterback. Like he's a, he's a playmaker for the Philadelphia Eagles and they went out and they spent big this off season to add talent all across the board. That defense is just stacked in the secondary. It's stacked along the defensive line. Like they got four dudes right now who have a chance at getting double digit sacks on the year. <laughs> and then Devonte Smith and AJ Brown are maybe the best wide receiver duo in football or in the conversation there. And the offensive line is incredible. Like, but all of this works so well because Jalen hurts is so good and has taken another step in his development as a quarterback. Like 
we always knew that he was going to be athletic enough to make plays with his legs in the NFL, but he's not getting enough credit for how he's developed as a passer. Like he's never going to be Mahomes level as a passer. Like nobody is, but he is a good NFL quarterback who has taken huge steps forward as a passer in this offense. And it helps that he's got playmakers all across the board, but he's utilizing them every week and he's getting the most out of them each and every week. So he deserves credit for all of that stuff. It's just, he's throwing to Devonte Smith and AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard. And he's got this offensive line and the chiefs have turnstiles on both. Ends <laughs> the and, and Patrick Mahomes is having to run for his life and heave a ball downfield to Justin Watson, because that's their biggest like deep play wide receiver this season. Like it's just when it, when it comes to, making the most out of the situation that you're in Patrick Mahomes is just doing it at a higher level than anybody else is right now. Last one. And I'll start with you, Steven, who's propping up their team more Mahomes and the chief off chiefs offense or lions coordinator, offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson and Detroit's offense. Wow. This is like his two favorite people in the world, by the way. <laughs> I wish we would have had Detroit earlier in the, in the list because um, I would love to pick them. Uh, ben Johnson's awesome. The Lions are so, so fun. And now they're actually winning football games, too, on top of just being a fun football team. But I, I do think that he's in a favorable situation uh, again where he's obviously a really talented play caller and offensive coordinator. But they already had some pieces in place there in Detroit that he is just really, really utilizing. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he's a superstar wide receiver. Uh, you know, he's like, he's, he's not Cooper cup yet, but you could see him kind of stepping into like a, a Cooper cup style of role in this offense. Like he, he is that good on a weekly basis. He is just eight catches, hundred yards, nine catches, 130 yards, like every single week. And he is just becoming an unguardable player. And then their offensive line's also really good. If DeAndre Swift ever stays healthy for an entire season, I think he could be a really, really good running back. And Jamison Williams, we'll see. Uh, we, we already saw him get a long touchdown a couple of weeks ago. He's going to be a really exciting player who could be really good in the NFL. And they've gotten a lot out of Jared Goff this season. So it's not to discredit anything that he's done. Um, I think the Lions are going to be good, and I'm really excited for their future. Um, so we'll see how things play out for them. But, yeah, it's just got to be Patrick Mahomes because uh, you know, that offense has a lot of playmakers. It's I would kill to see Patrick Mahomes with the playmakers that the Detroit Lions <laughs> Could you imagine Pat, that bomb that golf underthrew by like 10 yards last week and Mahomes throwing it to Jameson freaking Williams? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they have weapons. There's no doubt about it. And, and Ben Johnson deserves a ton of credit. I mentioned how, how well they've trended over the past month or so. The Lions offense is, they are legitimately one of the best units in the NFL. Um, they're passing offense specifically their third and Ben Johnson has a lot to do with that. He has wrinkles. He uses pre-snap motion. Um, he gets everybody involved. He uses the entire field. He does rely on golf to make throws outside the numbers, which is not easy and deserves a ton of the credit, obviously. But again, it's Patrick Mahomes, and I think for me, it's pretty simple because of everything that we've talked about. The talent around him has, is a big deal. They're still winning these games, right? Like, they, they didn't have any reason to win last week, but they still won. And some of the other ones where you, you think that the Chiefs are kind of sleepwalking through these games, Mahomes is keeping it in these games. And I think that just speaks to the superstar level that he has. So, Mahomes for me. 
I, you're not wrong about Mahomes, but I do want to point this out about the Lions. Like Ben Johnson is doing this with a quarterback that one of the best play callers in the entire league paid at the time the biggest cap hit in the history of the NFL to get rid of. Right, The Rams were so desperate to get rid of Jared Goff, they didn't care about the cap hit. They shipped him out of there. And so for Ben Johnson to be to be doing this with this offense, with the guy that another offensive genius wanted nothing to do with, that goes a long way for me. I know that you guys agreed, so my opinion slash judgment is not really necessary here, but I did want to point that out. I think Ben Johnson deserves credit for that. Oh, he does 100%. Like, wh- I think he's actually propped up golf and, and might earn golf another contract. The fact that we're talking about um, the Lions not moving on from golf tells you how well Ben Johnson has called plays this season. I hope they don't do that. Please draft a quarterback. Yes, <laughs> You're going to yeah. have a top five pick. Please <laughs> please take a quarterback. Yeah, but as much as we like to say nice things about how well golf is playing, like if you're a Lion fan, do you really want him to be your quarterback? Or are you like, no, <laughs> do not do that, right? Like no one, no one's rooting for Jared Goff to come back except like Mrs. Goff. <laughs> if there is a Mrs. Goff, I don't know. But anyway. All right, so Patrick Mahomes, congratulations. You are the gauntlet champion this week. Steven, thank you for filling in for Justice Mosqueda. I really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, rate, review, follow everything going on with the SB Nation NFL show. Hopefully Justice will be back with us next week. He can praise his Lions, who he's been telling us for, I don't know, like two months now are better than their record. Now they're at 500. So now are they like as good as their record? Like, I don't know if that changes at all, but we'll find out when Justice comes back next week. KP, happy holidays to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Happy holidays to you. Hope everybody yes. enjoys their holidays. Not sure if you guys have any rituals or routines, but enjoy it. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody. Enjoy the holidays. Yeah.